Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I was praying late last night. I told you a few weeks ago, I think it was, that the Lord had put something in my heart. And I had no idea how this was going to happen or look what it would look like or anything until till yesterday. Don asked me if I wanted to go with him to a meeting in uh, San Jose, another church, and we got Destiny all hitched up on Friday night, and I was really tired, but I thought, I really want to go. I want to hear this man. And I did, and I was so blessed by his word. If you, if you want to look it up on Facebook, I think it's Genesis, Genesis Upper Room Church Facebook page. You can follow him. His name is Steve Foss. Be prepared. He preached three hours without stopping, without a sip of water, three hours. I thought maybe we should invite him here. <laughs> I don't know if anybody could sit three hours. It was a long time, but it was so beautiful. I loved every minute of it. And I feel like the Lord did give me direction through what he said and through what the Lord communicated to me last night. This is way out of my comfort zone. Way out of what I feel capable of doing. But it isn't me, it's him. And I'm gonna follow his lead. For the rest of the month of October, we're gonna talk about some women in the Bible. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because I believe this is the time for women to arise in the army of God. And I'm gonna tell you why I think it's time for women to arise in the army of God. It's because women bear children. Women birth things in people into the world. Women give birth. Women love and nurture and nurse and care for infants. And as you all are aware, there is a fight going on right now over the, the um, nomination of the Supreme Court Justice. If you think this is just political stuff, you better think again. This is directed of God. She is a spirit-filled Christian. She does follow a Catholic um, a church that is spirit-filled. I don't care. God has appointed her for this time, and I know this is going out to many, many people, I, I struggled with this and prayed about it. Lord, do you really want me to say these words? You better believe he does. Women, we have to arise. We have to protect these babies. We have to fight for them. We are the ones that give birth to these, these infants, and we need to stand, and we need to arise in the name of Christ and fight for the unborn children. And this woman is so pro-life. She's very, very against abortion. President Trump wanted to put her in earlier, but he felt at the time it was better to, to go with 
Brett Kavanaugh, and they are fighting her just as they did him, but in a different way. They are fighting her femininity, her ability to bear children, and her ability to fight for the unborn child. So we're going to learn about some women in the Bible who had some miraculous uh, influence on their world. And that's what we're going to do. In addition to that, I've never done anything like this, as you know, but we're going to try it from now until the end of the election. I want us to commit, especially the women, to commit to 30 minutes a day of prayer for two things. Amy Coney Barrett's con confirmation in the Senate. I think it is of God. I truly do, or I would not be saying these words and the outcome of the election. And I believe we need to stand together as a body, as a church. And I will be fasting, and I would like to ask you to join me in a fast for every day from now until then, you pick something you want to fast. I will not stand up here and tell you you need to fast a day, uh, a meal, you can fast soda pop or candy, I don't care. <laughs> Just set aside something that you say, God, I am disciplining myself and I am going to give this time to you each day until we see the Lord move in this situation. And that is my heart. I was going to give that all at the end of my message, which is going to be real short. I won't keep you very long, I promise. But I wanted to deliver this and I feel like the Lord just orchestrated this so I could deliver it now uh, under the anointing and I do feel his anointing. So if you'll bear with me and you want to turn to Psalms 20 for just a few minutes, we're going to, we're going to talk about something. I had a sermon playing in the background as I was praying early this week. Actually, I think it was Sunday afternoon last week, and I wasn't really even listening to the sermon. I couldn't even tell you really what it was about, but I happened to hear him quote one verse, and it's Psalm 20, verse 7, and it says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I've heard that verse so many times. I've heard there's a song that says some trust in uh, chariots and some in horses. I don't like the song, but it, it is a song. And this verse really struck me as I just happened to hear it through my prayer and um, the Lord birthed it in my heart as a result of that. So I started researching it a bit and I feel like this is going to turn into a bit of a devotional this morning. Rather than what you might call a, a typical sermon, I feel like this is a devotional this morning. And I hope it blesses you. Well, you might say, how is a sermon different than a devotional? Or what makes this different? In my mind, a sermon has a lot more depth and structure and content. And it usually culminates in a recognizing our need for God, that's the purpose of spreading the gospel. The dictionary defines the word sermon as a talk on religious or moral subject, 
especially one given during a church service and is based on a passage from the Bible. Or the second, uh, the second possible uh, definition, a long or tedious piece of admonition or reproof, a lecture. I hope you don't think this is a lecture when I get done, and it certainly won't be long. <laughs> but I think of as a, a devotional as a tool that helps us to relate to and communicate with the Lord on an everyday level. If you, re, if you have a devotional book, you'll see just normal life stuff happening in these devotionals that they talk about and relate it to our earthly life and how that relates to our Heavenly Father. So I looked up what does a devotional mean, and it's of or used in a religious worship. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to that. So today, we're going to read Psalm 1 through 9. It's a short psalm. Um, only, nine, only nine verses, and they're all short but I think there's a message here that we need to hear. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill <clears throat> all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners, and the Lord will fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from the holy heaven, and with the saving strength of his right hand. And verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down, they, meaning the some who trust in chariots and horses, they are brought down and fallen, but we are arisen and we stand upright. Save, Lord, and let the king hear us when we call. That psalm is so beautiful, and it did bring up some questions in my mind. So I looked up a few more words. The dictionary defines the word trust, they, some, trust, as firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. So I wondered, what's the difference between trust and faith? Well, the dictionary defines faith as complete trust or confidence in someone or something and strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. So then I had to look up apprehension. <laughs> How is apprehension used in this instance? It, I found it has two almost completely opposite meanings. 
One we're all familiar with, anxiety or fear, that something bad or unpleasant is about to happen. Or understanding or grasp. As we apprehend something, we grasp it or we understand it. Paul said, I apprehend that mark towards the prize of the, of the calling of God. So while the two words are very similar, with trust, we firmly believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. But with faith, we have a strong belief in God based on understanding and grasp of him and his promises rather than proof. I love that definition of what faith is. We apprehend, we grasp, we understand his promises even though we don't have proof. That's faith. David wrote this Psalm 20 as a prayer of blessing, as a king might bless his people. Perhaps the day before they're going out for a battle and they, he's saying, save us, O king. It's thought that this doesn't refer to the tribulation period, but it's a normal course of life day of trouble. In this scripture, these nine verses, David listed six things that we can put our trust in. The Lord's name, which will defend us, according to verse 1. His sanctuary, from which he sends his help. If you remember the video last week, we saw where the Holy of Holies is and the hovering of the Holy Spirit over the mercy seat. The mercy of God sending help. His sacrifice, from which answered prayers came in the Old Testament. Not his sacrifice necessarily in the Old Testament, but sacrifice in general, which was uh, required for God to answer prayer. His salvation in the battle as our defender, and we will be delivered, saved, and we will raise the banner of his name on high. His prayer, verse 6, has some varied interpretations. Some say it's prophetic of, of the Messiah praying for us on the cross. Others say it refers to David as he was anointed king. But of course, we claim it as our own, whoops, excuse me, uh, because we are his anointed as well. And finally, the sixth thing, his power in verse 6. And this is so beautiful. God always hears, remember this, always hears without exception the prayer of his son, Jesus Christ, because of the relationship between the father and the son. Well, who is our relationship with and through? The son. The blood of the son cleanses us redeems us and restores relationship to God for us. Verses 7, 8, and 9. This portion of this psalm is thought to be foretelling of the battle of Armageddon. Now again, one thing I have learned this year, if you read three commentaries, you're going to get three different answers, three different opinions of what men think about what the scripture says. Some of them there's a consensus and some of them there is not. 
So you can search it out for yourself and feel, uh, find out if you feel that this is forthtelling of the Battle of Armageddon or it's something more, um, you know, time frame of that time. This is certainly related to battle because chariots and horses were used and that was the coveted tool of choice for kings going into battle in the day. So I wanted to know who the some are the, um, in verse 7. Who are the some? Well, it is the kings having fleets of chariots and horses and horsemen that are putting their trust in their own might and their own power instead of God. The bigger the fleet of chariots and horses, the mightier the king was. But we know the fallacy. We know the pitfalls of putting our trust in anything other than God, especially anything made of man or at man's hand. And we have seen so many instances in the scripture of the underdog having no might, no ability, but with God on their side, they won the battle over and over and over. And as we, we learned uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, when we talked about is this battle the Lord's, many times they didn't even have to fight. They just had to stand there and the enemy saw them and killed each other. That just boggles my mind still because God was on their side and made the difference. And after God's deliverance of Israel at the Red Sea, Miriam sang a song. You remember, she sang the song, Sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and the rider into the sea. God doesn't need man's chariots and horses. His power will do the work. The commentators also said that the sum refers to the Antichrist, who will also fall at the hand of God in the Battle of Armageddon. So that's why I said you can research it yourself and feel, see who you feel the sum is. But we know that all who put their trust in the Lord will be left standing upright because the Bible tells us that we will stand Save, Lord, let the king, the king of heaven and all of his heavenly hosts that he's commander of, hear us when we call. Now, we are still talking about trust, but I'm going to flip over to 2 Kings to wrap this up. 2 Kings chapter 2. We read about Elijah being taken from his protege in the Lord, Elisha. In a chariot of fire, with horses of fire, in a whirlwind of fire. God likes fire. <laughs> Elisha had traveled with Elijah. Now remember, Elijah is the senior, Elisha is the junior, the protege following Elijah. It can get confusing with the two names so similar. But Elisha had followed Elijah, watching God perform miracle after miracle in his life and on their behalf. 
But God spoke to Elijah and said, Elijah, I'm taking you home to be with me. You will not die, but I'm taking you home. And Elisha said, before you go, I want a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah said, Elisha, you have asked a hard thing, but I'm going to do it anyway because the Lord will grant your desire. If you watch me go up, you will receive the double portion. So in the chapter, earlier verses in the chapter, here they are following, or Elisha is following Elijah around three different places. Elijah goes to minister, and the group of people that were with him, the sons of the prophets, so the junior prophets said to Elisha, well, God's going to take him home today. You're going to be without your mentor, and you're not going to have him anymore. And Elisha said, I know, hold your peace. Just shut up and be quiet. I don't want to hear it. But he knew the Lord was about to take his mentor to heaven. He had seen, Elisha had seen him taken up in the chariot with the horses of fire in the whirlwind, and Elisha caught Elijah's mantle as it fell back to the ground, and he had Elisha's mantle in his hand, and he walked to the Jordan River, and he struck the, the river with the mantle, and he said, now I'm leaving out a whole bunch of this just for time, but I'm going to read you something in a minute that will fill in some blanks. Where is the God of Elijah? And the waters parted, just like it did when Elijah struck the water, the Jordan, and God parted the waters. Oswald Chambers in his book, if you want to talk about a devotional, get Oswald Chambers my utmost for his highest and plan to spend a lot of time on your knees praying for forgiveness and repentance because it, it has a tendency to make us feel so insignificant before God, but it elevates who God is and how much he loves us. He wrote... This experience must come. Remember, we're still talking about trust. 2 Kings 2 and 12 says, And Elisha saw him no more. It is not wrong to depend upon Elijah as long as God gives him to you. But remember, the time will come when he will have to go. And when he stands no more as your guide and your leader, because God does not intend that he should, you say, but I cannot go on without my Elijah. But God says, you must. When you're alone at your Jordan River, and Jordan is the type of separation where there is no fellowship with anyone else, where no one else can take the responsibility for you. It is just you and your faith in God. You have to put to the test now what you learned, 
when you were with your Elijah. You've been to the Jordan over and over and over with Elijah, but now it's your turn and you're up against it alone. It's no use saying, I cannot go, because this experience has come and you must go. If you want to know whether God is the God whom you have faith to believe him to be, then you must walk through your Jordan experience alone. I'm going to read that again. If you want to know whether God is the God whom you have faith to believe him to be, then you must go through your Jordan, Jordan experience alone. God will require it of us to test our faith. Folks, I believe it matters where we put our trust. Trusting is an active, not a passive thing. And it matters that we have faith in God, that we personally know him to be who he said he is without question, no matter what we see. Even though it takes a Jordan River experience for us to prove it to ourselves. I'm so very thankful that the psalmist David said, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Whether you're in the battle or whether you're already standing alone at the Jordan River saying, where is the Lord God of Elijah? You can put him to the test and he will not fail you. In Malachi 3, God said, I am the Lord and I change not. Obey my word and then try me and see if I will not do exactly what I said I would do. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Church, if we obey him, we can trust him to be the God he said he would be. Yes, some put their trust in things made of man, whether it's war equipment or man-made schemes or plots against God's character and his word, they will fall. It's written in the scripture. But we will remain, we will remember the name of the Lord our God and we will arise and remain standing upright. Stand with me this morning, please. I hope this has blessed you in some way because it really did touch my heart. I don't know why God chooses the ways that he chooses entirely, but I do know this, it's for our own good, always. It's for our own good because he loves us. He knows the plans that he has for us and they are plans of good, not of evil. You can trust him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your great love, 
for your grace and your mercy, Lord. Even when we're standing at the Jordan River and we say, where is the God of Elijah? And yet we've seen over and over the proof that you are God. It is not about us. It is about you. And God, I pray as we take the mantle and we strike the water, that you part them and let us see the demonstration of your power and presence among us. And God, as we take this challenge on for the next 20 days or however many it is until November the 3rd has passed, God, I pray that you would reveal things to our hearts that we didn't even realize were in your word and in ourselves, the knowledge of you to expand our lives, expand our knowledge of you, and help us to shine forth and reach out and show your love to a dying world. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. I thank you, Jesus, and I pray that you would go with us and be with us this week as you always are. Bless and keep Sister Watson in her grief, O oh God. I pray that you would give her strength, give her rest, O oh God, and help every detail to come together, Lord, for your glory. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.